0: Welcome to TA1 Everything you want to know about adventure racing, then some. I'm your host, the legendary Randy Erickson. Uh, Friday night, just back from a hike with the chili dog in the semi-nice weather. A little bit of snow on the ground, but it's all kind of melting, and we've been in the 30s and 50 tomorrow, so I'm enjoying it. Today's episode is with Beck's Law. Uh, let's say a new generation of adventure racer. Um, from New Zealand, races mostly with uh, Bivouac Colts, but at um, World Championships, raced with Finland, one of the Ecuadorian teams. I didn't know Bex very well before the podcast, sort of met her through her mother, which is a story that we'll talk about during the podcast, so you'll just have to listen until then. So let's um, get this one on the road and maybe i'll have a long introduction next week Got some a uh, couple more at least a couple more episodes with uh, world world racers so um enjoy let's see hey if you want to know anybody you'd like to hear me talk to or maybe just listen to them talk um let me know i do have a whole list of people um Into the new year, we got some interesting things I think coming on. Maybe have a new little segment coming up in a couple of weeks. We'll see how that works out. And hey, I'd like to get, let's say, three um, likes on iTunes. How about that? Before Christmas, for me, for Christmas. So, how's that sound? So, uh, let's go. Uh, Take chances, go fast you know what I mean, go fast, take chances, have a good time with whatever you're doing um, or did over the weekend. Thanks for listening. Hey, hey I made it back. And I think, oh, good. <laughs> I think everything is working, so we're in good shape. So, you'd think after like 40 of these I would have the uh, system figured out, but uh, <laughs> sometimes, and then, and then I'm, you know, I actually was sitting here earlier and thinking I need to look, cause I think we said Monday, and Monday in Australia is now, or New Zealand, excuse me, is now. So, <laughs>
1: and
0: uh, I was actually just uploading this week's podcast, so we're we're uh, we're in the podcast mood.
2: Oh gosh, gosh, it must be hard with all the different time zones.
0: It kind of is. I actually found a program where I can put in wherever somebody is, their their city, and then Rapid City, and then. Print it, it brings up a list so I can see okay, um, 5 a.m. in Czechoslovakia is you know 6 p.m. here or whatever. So then, yeah, and, and like I sent to you, you know, I said okay, these times work good for me because I try to find not in the middle of the night for you and not in the middle of the night for me,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> so it's worked good so far. So cool, how are you?
2: I'm good, really good. Yeah, hard getting back to normal life.
0: <laughs> yes, I understand that totally.
2: So, the first week back at work was pretty difficult, but oh well, that's reality.
0: So, um, I think I've told this story before, but when my wife Paulette comes home like from a long usually camping expedition or something, inevitably the first night she's up and standing in bed wondering where she's at. So, yeah. our, is it that bad for you?
2: Um, The first night after the race, I woke up and I had no idea where I was, but not now that I'm home. But I've had it, yeah, like in the middle of the, like after a race, I've woken up and been like, oh my God, I've missed the alarm. I've got to get out. And then I'm like, oh, I'm not racing anymore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, And is that um, a little disappointing then when you realize you're not racing anymore? <laughs>
2: Um, sometimes, like, I don't know, like, I'm not the type of person who finishes a race and who, and is like, I'm never doing one of those again, I'm normally like, I can't wait to the next one, so, yeah, I, I do get disappointed when I know the next one's ages away.
0: Well, it is kind of funny, I know people have been asking me, what's next, and it's like, I don't really have anything till July, so do you have anything, you got planned? Um,
2: yeah, I've got God's Zone. Okay which is the New Zealand race yeah. in February. So. And then from the nothing Till X V D in Australia. So. so there's quite a big gap between the two.
0: Yeah, well, so do you just adventure race or do you do any any other racing?
2: Uh, no, I do like multi-sport racing. Okay. So like, it's like triathlon, but with yeah. kayaking instead of swimming.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and I'm gonna train for an ultra marathon Okay. This year, so, yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. The team I raced with in Ecuador, they all ran ultra marathons, so it kind of got me interested so, in doing one. So so I'll probably do one of those as well.
0: So you're going to go 100K, 100 miler, or?
2: 100K to start, okay. yeah, and see how I go, see, see how if my body heat it. Yeah.
0: So, well, we, yeah. Just, we discovered, you know, Paulette ran the Tahoe two hundred and she ran it as looking at it as an adventure race where you just got to keep moving and yeah you know you I think your experience will really really pay off in the long run with that so yeah should be easy yeah,
1: no, it should be interesting
0: yeah so um I don't know if you have listened to the podcast but it's real ADD so we jump all over the place <laughs> so don't That's don't right. don't think you're not following along if you wonder what I'm talking about but so how did you end up with the uh, Ecuadorians at World Championships?
2: Um, I just got an email on Facebook one day asking from Paul, asking if I would be interested in coming over and racing with them because they didn't have a girl to race mm-hmm. with and they really wanted to race and someone had recommended me as a strong female. And, um yeah, and I was, at the start, I was like, no, no way, I'm not going to Ecuador, I I don't want to race in high altitude with no, like, altitude training, um, and I just said that, and that I couldn't afford it, because financially, it's yeah. a hu- it was a huge, huge expense, um, and then he came back and said, oh, Finland will pay for everything and half your flights. So I couldn't really turn the opportunity down yeah. <laughs> then. Um, and I was really lucky. My, um, a friend of mine, he works at the university here, and they have an altitude machine that you can do a three-week program on. Oh, yeah. And um, so I was lucky enough to be able to use that before I left as well. So that was quite good.
0: So did you get to go over early a little bit for the race, or did you just have to go in and race and come home?
2: Um, I went a week beforehand and it was quite good. The day I arrived, we went for a mountain bike in the morning and then we went just for a run around the city in the afternoon and then the day after that we went out to Cotopaxi. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: um, We climbed up to the glacier, which was about 5,300 metres, and we just sat up there. For maybe three hours, just sitting up there, and it was really cool because we were lucky enough to um see a bunch of priests they they'd climbed up as well and had a ceremony, and oh. so we watched that while while we were up there and then we sta- we went back down and stayed at the the hostel at the in the national park and stayed the night there and I think that was actually really, really good for getting used to the altitude. Mm-hmm. Because it was quite quite high
0: up. Yeah. Do you think, um, obviously, physically, it has some some did you some good, but do you think maybe even more so mentally that you went up there and and uh, realized, okay, I can I can do this.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because I was really really worried about not being able to breathe when I raced in um, Costa Rica last year. Two of my teammates got altitude sickness, like really 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 bad. We almost had to pull out of the race, and that was only at, I think, 3,800 meters, yeah. so when we got out there, got up, I realized it wasn't going to be as bad as I expected, and we actually did some running up there, so I, I felt pretty good, yeah. um, so it meant that I was a lot more confident going into that first stage of the race, knowing that I'd actually been at that level and could breathe pretty much. <laughs>
0: So, yeah, it always helps when you know you can breathe.
2: Yeah, so. yeah.
0: So, um, how how was it racing with uh, three guys you don't really know? I, yeah, I mean, I find hard. it really interesting because Paulette's raced a lot with, you know, on teams where you don't know people. So, sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad.
2: yeah. It's actually really interesting because I, the team I race with in New Zealand, I've raced with them for four years, Mm. and I've never raced with anyone else.
0: Yeah.
2: And so going to a country where English wasn't their first language, I didn't know them. I was a little bit concerned that they didn't have a girl to race with a month before the race. Like, was wondering how good are these guys going to be? But they just, you know, just got a sponsor and managed to get into the race, Mm. and they haven't really. They're not really that good, but they were amazing, like absolutely incredible. They were the most nicest, coolest guys I've ever raced with and so, so strong. I couldn't fault them in their strength at all. And they never complained. They never, you know, wanted to pull out. They they were just so helpful. The first stage of the race – Gustavo and Nico took my pack for it until we got up to the highest point so I could just basically focus on running with them which was made it so much easier for me and then yeah the rest of the race we just all worked really really well together we never fought or had any arguments or anything like that so it was good. It was an experience that I wasn't expecting at all, and yeah, they just blew me out of the water. How how cool they were and strong and yeah, it was good.
0: Oh, sounds yeah, sounds really really nice. Um, did they speak English?
2: Yeah, so two of them spoke pretty good English, and yeah. uh, one of them he had he spoke a few words, but I don't know if he understood what I was saying most of the time. Yeah. Um, the, their English after about 9 or 10 o'clock at night got pretty much non-existent. <laughs> and after about four days, they had, they thought I was speaking Chinese. We, <laughs> we had some times where I would say something and they'd look at me and I'd say it again. And they're like, that's not English. I'm like, yeah, it is. <laughs> and they're like, we have no idea. And some things like... I kayaking is my strength, and mm. they haven't done a lot of kayaking, so I was trying to give them, like, tips when we are kayaking, and I'd say, like, dig your paddle blade in, and they would be like, what? And like, dig your blade in, and, like, using, saying it like that, they didn't know what dig it in was, or what a blade was.
1: Okay.
2: So, yeah, their English was good, but it wasn't, it was basic English, no. but... Yeah. yeah, it was still good. So, that we still had, joked around and had fun
0: and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I know, and that, the reason I asked is a friend of mine, Jennifer Moose, raced with a Brazilian team last year in Costa Rica, and oh, none, yeah? of, none of them spoke English. Um, yeah. And that I. It would don't, be really hard, I think. Yeah. I spent a couple hours with her one day on the trail just trekking with them because I think she was so happy just to hear somebody speak English. But. Uh,
2: yeah, yeah. When I caught up with my team, on being the third trekking league. Mm-hmm. Two of my New Zealand boys. We t- we spoke. We must have trekked together for about two hours. Yeah. And we just talked the whole time, and it was so good to be able to talk to someone where I didn't have to slow my speech down, or like choose my words of how what I was going to say. And after the boys, after we left each other. My team um, looked at me and I said, This whole two hours we've been trying to work out what the hell you've been talking about. <laughs> we couldn't understand a single word. <laughs> so yeah. I could speak about them in English in my normal speech and they wouldn't even know. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, well, you know, I just, uh, Rob's on this, Rob Preston's on this week's podcast and he said sometimes the rest of, you know, Kyle and, and Jason and Mary, didn't know what he was talking about. And theoretically, yeah. you know, they're all speaking English. So, But it's just kind of hard mentally, isn't it? To to always be, you always have to think about what you're saying.
2: Yeah. 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 Or like, I just really struggled to choose words that I thought they would understand. Or mm-hmm. like, if they didn't understand it, try to find another word that meant the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, when we were paddling in the ocean, and it got really shallow, and I was like, "Oh, we need to get out further. It's too shallow." Yeah. And they're like, "What's shallow?" And I was like, "Um, the opposite of deep." <laughs> and they're like, "What's deep?" Yeah. And I'm like, "The ground's too close to the surface." <laughs> 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 I don't know how to explain it any other way.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's, that's that's interesting. So, um, so what was the best part of the race for you? And you're not allowed to say the finish.
2: Hmm. Um, I loved the first stage. That was probably my, f- I thought that was the most beautiful stage. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah, really, like, the scenery was just outstanding. Um, even though it was at high altitude, like, I still felt pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then probably the the first kayak as well would be the other stage I loved. I just, I love kayaking, and that was awesome, having, like, w- white water, And it was a really beautiful paddle. So, yeah, those two were probably my two favorite stages.
0: Okay. you uh, go swimming in the white water?
2: Yeah, we did a couple (laughs) times. um, There was one really, really big rapid, and the guide guide had said, oh, only one person's made it through. You can either walk your boat or you can have a go. Mm -hmm. And we were like, we're definitely having a go. And we we got through, like, the first couple, and we were, both of us, Gustavo and I, were like, Yeah and we're like screaming, we're like, We're gonna make it, we're gonna make it and then right at the end we jumped out. <laughs> so we were pretty disappointed about that. But, you know, that's all part of it and that's what made it so much fun is having those um challenging records that yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: um you're wondering if you're gonna make it through or not. But they were there was a couple that we fell out on that um I, all of us managed to hit our knee on rocks, which was pretty painful. I've still got a knee injury
1: hmm. at the moment
2: from that. Um, and the one of my other te- teammates, he couldn't swim. So I think he was really, really nervous in that stage because yeah. he got, had to get saved in the ropes when he jumped off the cliff
0: because oh. he yeah. couldn't
2: swim. Oh. So it was quite nerve-wracking every time they fell out.
0: So Well, it would be. Yeah, that's kind of interesting, an adventure racer that can't swim.
2: Yeah, (laughs) I know. And
0: and so this is something that I find really amazing because most people, if there's a sport where you have to do something and you don't know how to do it, why would you keep doing it? But for some reason, adventure racers don't let that stop them. I mean, why? What is it about you guys that... Will make you go paddle sixty five miles when you don't know how to swim
2: <laughs> um I don't know, I think we're just a breed of our own like i I think we're looking for a challenge that's that we're not gonna be able to do and or you know like we want something that's challenging and it's gonna push our body and our mind to its absolute maximum and and we're gonna try and get through that. And I think doing a sport like adventure racing, you, you stand on the start line wondering am I gonna to get to the finish line? And how you know, how hard am I gonna to have to push my body to get there? And I think that's the challenge of the sport and that's what we all love about it, is you know, the the unknown of you know will I make it or will I not and and how hard can I can I can my body go and for me I I just love that feeling of not knowing what's going to happen or where I'm going to go or what I'm going to see or what challenges are going to come up and whether I'm going to be a strong enough person to get through there um yeah I think that's for me that's what's keeps me going back to the sport I haven't got to the point where I've had a breakdown or I've wanted to pull out or I've thought to myself I'm I can't do this Hmm. and I I still wonder if I will will ever get to that point in a race so that's why I keep going back and keep doing doing it even if I know I can't or I think oh god there's gonna be a stage that I don't know if I'll be able to do that I still I want to push myself through that point
0: that's interesting. So what's what's been the closest so far to 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 saying, no, this is enough? I mean, which race or you know, is there has there been something where you've it's just maybe kinda of been in the back of your mind. Is there has there been anything yet?
2: No, not really. Like I've been I've, this is my sixth expedition race mm-hmm. now, and I haven't felt like I wanted to pull out Uh, the the trek, that mud trek in Ecuador. The last trek, I was thinking, what the hell am I doing here? (laughs) And I I was thinking, one stage, I was like, I really, really want to cry. Like I really want to cry. (laughs) Maybe if I cry, it'll make myself feel better. Um, But. Yeah, I, I I just haven't got to that point yet, and I've I've been racing with my New Zealand team. We raced when we raced in Australia. Um, we trekked across the Salt Lake, and we'd run out of water, and there were fifty million flies. And my team, one of my teammates, he was having a breakdown, and was like, "Get the emergency thing out, press the button, I no want out of here." And I was like, "Oh, just calm down. Like it's all right. You just need to relax." So I think. Yeah, I, I'm I've, I'm quite a relaxed person in those situations, and I always like to think the best of a situation, mm-hmm. and think you know we're not going to die yeah. yet anyway. <laughs> yeah. So you know, and we've got we've got enough food and we've got enough water, and we just need to chill out and carry on. Like keep putting one foot in front of the other, and you'll get yourself out of there. So yeah, I haven't got into a situation yet, and. I don't know, I'm kind of looking, I kind of want to be in a situation like that to see how I react, but yeah.
1: we'll
2: see. I think I've been really, really lucky because the people I have raced with have, haven't have really been like that as much either. Like that one time in Australia would be the only time when my teammate wanted to pull out, and I think if you race with a really strong-minded team, you sh- you wouldn't really get in a situation like that because everyone's... Supporting each other and like trying to make the best out of a crappy situation yeah so
0: yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting so what was your background what did what were you, did you do before you started adventure racing
2: uh I raced triathlon when I was at at high school, mm-hmm. and I've always raced like multi sport race thing um I grew up in a family that my parents are fitness freaks, so you kind of just get dragged into it, and I raced XTERRA, the off-road triathlon, in my last year of high school, and one of my parents' friends was doing a 24-hour race, and he was like, oh, do you want to join our team? So, yeah, I did a few 24-hour races with people my parents' age, and Mm -hmm. I just loved it, and then when I went to university, I met the guys that I raced with in New Zealand, just out of, they didn't go to my uni, I just met them through another person that did a little bit of racing and we raced a 24 hour race together and we won it, and then we just decided, oh let's just form a team, and we've been together ever since, so it's been pretty cool, I I feel pretty lucky to be able to race with those guys, um, we've never ever fought, we've never had any issues, and I, I look at other teams so do one race and never talk to each other again, and I, yeah. I, do, I do feel quite privileged to have a bunch of people that are my best friends that I can race with.
0: That's that's really amazing. So, I mean, I think you guys really have the advantage of having some sort of a, a history in adventure racing, but do, are you, I guess for lack of a better word, are you the next generation from New Zealand?
1: Um. Yeah,
2: I'd like. I'd like to think so. I hope. I think we we just have to see what happens. Um, for us financially, that that's what puts a strain on us racing. Yeah. Um, it's it's so hard to find a sponsor here in New Zealand that pays anything.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and f- the in, the New Zealand race cost eight thousand dollars to enter, and most races around the world are similar, yeah. so for us being in the middle of nowhere to get anywhere a flight other than to Australia is in excess of $2,000, mm-hmm. so for, you know, like to get the experience of racing overseas and get your name out there and to find a sponsor, it makes it so much harder for us, yeah. so we all work full-time jobs, Ryan and I also organise two small adventure races in New Zealand, to help fund, fund out our sport and our travel. Yeah. Um, I mean, ideally, and I think everyone who races adventure racing's ultimate goal is to win world champs, but it all, it, I think at the end of the day, it all depends on the support you have from a sponsor more than your ability because you need to get that experience of racing overseas and be able to do it, you know, every year to get, Get stronger and get harder and get faster, yeah so
0: right. well, I mean it obviously if you look at the top five teams, they're all teams that have had had sponsors and been in the been in the game for quite a while, so yeah, once, yeah it's hard right. and it's hard to break into that group,
2: yeah, so. yeah, yeah, and they're and all of them are just part they all only work part time mm-hmm. yeah um, so. so. Yeah, we'll see. It would be nice to pick up a sponsor, but I don't, I don't know if it will happen anytime <laughs> soon here in Zealand. Unless we find someone that's international.
0: Well, but I mean, you you do have the advantage of a team being a team, which yeah, is right. huge. Um, so it, what you said you've done, what five expedition races as a team.
2: I've done uh, six in total, six. and I've done five with my team, my Three. New Zealand team.
0: Yeah, and is it always the same? The same four of you? Yeah.
2: Yeah. And yeah. that
0: and that's you guys was the group at last year at Costa Rica, right? The,
2: yeah, that's right.
0: So, um, well, I mean, you do have that going for you. <laughs> so, yeah. But um, so here's here's a question that's kind of a new one for me, and I don't. I don't assume that you're a a student of the sport, but is there a race and or a team from whenever that you would love to have been with? You know, somebody in the early days of an Eco Challenge or something. Is there anybody you know that you would really have liked to have raced with?
1: Um...
2: Probably would have liked to race, I don't know what their team name was called, but it it was an Eco Challenge, and they had a Kiwi guy, Neil Jones, in it, mm-hmm. um, and they raced the Eco Challenge, and I, yeah, I would have liked to do the Southern Traverse in New Zealand. I think that would have been an awesome race, and I think it would, it sounds like it was a lot harder than the what the God Zone is now, and... I, I like races that are really hard, so, um, yeah. yeah, I would have been quite keen to have done that. Um, yeah. And I probably, I think I would have really liked to have raced with some of the um, the females back when Eco Challenge was around. Mm-hmm. I find it really interesting talking to other girls because obviously it's a male-dominated sport, yeah. um, like seeing what other girls think and, like how they find racing um, and just their experience and, you know, their tips on certain things that don't affect guys. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah.
2: It would be, yeah, really interesting because you don't really get to talk to girls much in the sport because, yeah, there's not very many of them.
0: That's true. So So, um, other than than Sophie, are there any other – expedition let's say expedition caliber women in new zealand right now
2: uh there's a lady called jo she she's done a lot of racing with international teams she's mm-hmm. a she's um, she raced with Adidas last year um, but she doesn't have a team that she races with she just tends to pick up other
1: mm-hmm.
2: other teams every now and again and then Obviously, Elena usher she's mm. done a little bit um, and that's pretty much it. There's a few girls that race those races in China okay. the stage yeah. racing and uh, they do a little bit of that um mm. but Sophie's really the main the main one
0: main one so do you the the stage the China stage races is that a race that appeals to you or? Are you more of a I need a really hard long race to do well
2: yeah i I haven't done any of those China races, and I would be quite interested to see how they go um, but for me I don't really get going until maybe the second day of a race yeah. i I'm not a fast, fast person like I really struggle to go go quite fast at the start of a race Um, this year I have had a coach and I have been working on it like going faster (laughs) because I would like to be able to go faster but yeah, I think I prefer the long endurance racing where I don't know for me I feel like I can go the same speed the whole time
1: Mm
2: -hmm. doesn't matter if it's 4 days or 10 days I can just go and go and go so definitely the expedition length is a lot better for me
0: yeah I, I I can see that. I mean, in, in my day, that's the way I was. I was never fast. Yeah. I was never fast, but I was as, I was as fast at the end of whatever as when I started. So.
2: Yeah, yeah, I feel like I'm the same.
0: So, you guys, here's this jumping around part again. But what did you? Let's see. I want to see how to put this. Did it get a little bit tired? Having the whole country follow you around while you're racing, because <laughs> sometimes it seemed like the whole country was following any Ecuador team.
2: Yeah, I um, I thought to myself at one stage, if I hear vamos one more time, <laughs> I'm gonna bludgeon. <bloody> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I actually really liked it, like it was something that got your spirits up. Like you don't see that in New Zealand, mm-hmm. and I the for me crossing the finish line was an absolutely incredible experience and not because we were getting to the finish line but the amount of people and media and photographers and people just chanting Ecuador was absolutely like I can't even describe what it was like. like it was an unforgettable experience and my, my teammates had tears in their eyes and I think obviously because they were from Ecuador and the support that they were getting from people they didn't know but I just thought it was so amazing to see that I I didn't think adventure racing was a huge sport and for people to come out from all over the place and watch and cheer and chant and and really, really get into it was just outstanding, and I wish that it was like that in New Zealand. I wish people took an interest and and cheered you on and came out and watched. But unfortunately, it's not. And yeah. so I I loved it. I absolutely loved it.
0: Yeah, it was. I was I was there when you got finished. In fact, when I went through and made my list of top pitchers, I'd have to put your finish line picture at number three because there were kids and there was old ladies and there was media and and they just, they were pumped for you.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I said, I got home to New Zealand, I said, I don't think I've had so many photos and people giving me hugs and kisses and and everything in my life. Like someone, some lady came up to me and gave me her baby and said, can you have a photo? <laughs> and I'm like, you don't even know who I am, but okay. <laughs> Like I felt like I was famous. Yeah. Well. So yeah, it was yeah. just amazing, it's incredible.
0: Yeah. It is kind of cool when somebody, um, comes up to you like that, though. It 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 makes you feel like the sport is maybe growing a little bit. That. Yeah. It it just yeah. makes you wish your name was Arthur, doesn't it?
2: It's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing how many people I have asked me do you know Arthur and I'm like yes I've met the dog yeah. and people I I went away just recently on the weekend and there was a big race on in the city I was in mm. and everyone's like well why aren't you doing the race and I said oh, I've just got back from a race overseas it was 700 kilometers and I think I need a bit of a rest and I'd say what the race was and rah-rah. And then I'd say, oh, have you heard about the dog, Arthur? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, well, that's the race I was doing. So they didn't know what I was talking about until I mentioned the dog. Yeah. No. <laughs> so hopefully the dog's done something good for the sport. Although they had it on the news in New Zealand and they didn't even mention Seagate.
0: Yeah, I saw that. That's a little little bad. but Well, here's... Yeah. Here we are talking on the podcast, and up comes Arthur, right? Yeah, uh,
2: that's right. <laughs> yeah,
0: so, um, I find it hilarious because uh, you know most of the people in the podcast know that our dog here came from Chile when my wife was racing. Not oh, dur- yeah. Not during the race, but she was a street dog. Um, so everybody's asking me, "Dog, oh, did you meet Arthur? How about Arthur? And I'm like, I literally am probably the only person that was at the race. I do not have one single picture of Arthur. <laughs> but we were busy trying to help him get him home. So it's like, okay, I'll take that yeah. trade off, but, but yeah. yeah, it's uh, Hey, whatever it takes to grow the sport. Maybe, maybe we'll start calling it Arthur racing.
2: Yeah, that's right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, um, uh, Oh, let's see. I had a question for you. Oh, here's my standard question. I have to ask this every time or people get upset with me, but, and we've, Kind of talked about it a little bit, but your best and worst six hours of racing ever.
1: Oh,
2: best in six worst hours. Probably the worst six hours was my first race I did, Gold mm. Own, and. I had blisters so bad on my feet. My whole feet were blisters, and we were sidling. We si- sidled across a uh, hillside for probably – would have been five or six hours. And it was like sidle and go down into a, like a creek stream and then back up and sidle, and then you'd get scree and you'd have to sidle across scree. And my feet were just – I have never, ever been in so much pain before. I got into the transition and I burst into tears and there was a film crew from Australia filming us (laughs) and all they wanted was just to keep get that camera in my face and I was crying and crying and crying and I couldn't stop. Like I was saying to myself, Vex, just buddy man up, like it's gonna be alright, like just stop Stop crying, and I was—I tr- just couldn't stop crying. I was just—it was about day five, and I just, no matter how much I tried to stop, I couldn't stop crying. So that was probably the worst six yeah. hours of adventure racing, and the best six hours. Um, I'm just trying to think. Probably. hmm it's a hard one it
0: is (laughs) well it you you can think about it here for a second but i will tell you that you are like every other adventure racer the hard six hours comes easy everybody knows that one and then when they start to think of what the best one is it's it's like "Eh, what is that so and i think it's just because there's so many that is.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think. I can think of another worst one. That was in Costa Rica. <laughs> well, <laughs> when well, the let's police ta- found let- us and got us lost. <laughs> um, um, I think probably the best six hours would also have been my first race. And we had a kayak. It was it would have been about 50 kilometers, I think. We had a tailwind, mm-hmm. and it was quite choppy. And we it was on the lake, and we rode, like, so many little waves. And just crossing the finish line of our first race, the feeling, I don't think I'll ever forget that feeling of, of crossing the finish line. Mm-hmm. So the kayak would have been probably about six hours, and we – my team that I race with in New Zealand, that's our strength is pedaling, so we're mm-hmm. quite a strong pedaling team, and so we had an awesome pedal, and then, yeah, ran to the, had a run to the finish line, and that was, that was probably the coolest feeling, it is the finishing your first adventure race, yeah. and, and no, no short course, and we were 10th, we got top 10, so that was a pretty cool experience,
0: oh. yeah that 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 works. So, um, so I just got a couple of more things and we can't can't not talk about your mom. <laughs> so,
2: everyone seems to know my mom. I don't know what she does.
0: Well, did, didn't you hear the story? You, cuz your tracker wasn't working and she didn't know where you were. Oh, so, God. She's she's following the the coverage on Breathe Magazine, so she emails yeah. Joel in Canada, Canada or Joel sends me a message. Can you find out? So I talked to Lewis, who had just seen you at the transition, and he said, "Yeah, yeah, you're tired. You're fine. You're you know blah 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 whatever." So then I went on and did an audio update for your mom and let her know that you were okay. And then she said, "Thanks for letting making her the most famous mom in." New Zealand and Canada, <laughs> I think, but <laughs> so but I mean, um, what does she think about you doing adventure races? I mean, you said you you know they basically got you started, but um and, and obviously she probably worries a little bit, but what does she really think?
2: <laughs> oh, she loves it, she is like my biggest supporter. Yeah. She just fizzes on it. I just can't believe how how much she loves it. Both my parents, my mum, she's the one who's oh, – or she, she worries during the yeah. race, and she says that she sleeps when I sleep. Yeah. And she <laughs> said she she thinks, like, as soon as she sees the tracker stop, she's like, okay, they must be sleeping. And then if it doesn't start moving again, she's like, oh, my gosh, something's happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, she just – Oh, she wants to know, like, every story and everything that happens. And she just loves that. I, I remember when I crossed the finish line in Australia, one of the guys had said, oh, we just heard your mum having an interview in, <laughs> on Breed magazine. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm pretty sure it wouldn't have been my mum. And they're like, yeah, she's Canadian, right? And I'm like, "Yeah." And, yeah, <laughs> like, sure enough, that's my mum, yeah. And then in Costa Rica she, organi- she emailed the race organisers and said when we'd gone round and round in circles for about six hours, I think something's wrong. Can you please go find them?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> but, yeah, she just loves it and she, she hasn't actually been to a race yet because they um, haven't managed to come down to God's own, but, this year they, they've said they're, they're going to come to Wanaka and watch. And when I when I got back to New Zealand, after being in Ecuador, they came, because I don't live in the same town as them, mm-hmm. they came over and we went out for lunch. And I said, oh, next year the race is in Brazil, world champs. And my mum said, well, if it's in Brazil, Dad and I are coming. We're not missing out on another race. Oh. So <laughs> it will be interesting to see if they do come. But, yeah, she just... She she loves it. She loves all the stories and the photos and I'm pretty sure she takes they don't work full time. My parents are kind of retired.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But she works one day a week and I'm pretty sure the rest of the week she sits in front of the computer for the whole race. And watches. <laughs> and watches, yeah. It's yeah. Nice. My brother said that. Um she doesn't leave the computer, she doesn't answer the phone, she just sits in front of the computer. <laughs> And she's the one who knows more about the race than I do. Like, she's like, oh, at this stage you kind of went off track for about half an hour and then you got back on and you passed these teams and you did this. And what happened here? Like, you didn't do something here. And I I don't even know what she's talking about.
1: <laughs> so. I'm
2: like... I have no idea what you're talking about, Mom.
1: <laughs> cool.
2: But it's cool. It's cool that she loves it so much. Nice. I I feel really happy that my parents support her because I know I know other people whose parents think that they're mental and it's a massive risk to do it and they <laughs> shouldn't be doing it. So, yeah, it's pretty neat.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe maybe I'll just hang with her next year in Brazil. That might be a cool story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She'd love it. So. Well, cool. This has been been fun. Um yeah, I, I'm glad you me. remembered and I'm glad I was here to uh say, "Oh yeah. Here we are." So. <laughs> but um So, thanks. Uh, you know, good luck uh next well, let's see. You only, what? 2 months you're racing again. So that'll be exciting then. Yeah.
2: Yeah, um, you're not planning on coming coming to New Zealand any time?
0: Uh, I wish you know you know, put in a good word with the race directors I'm always willing yeah. willing and, and able to go but uh you know it's kind of like um being a racer you know with uh Breathe Magazine we're really really working at um doing some different coverage and and um uh, some things that actually maybe we could actually get paid so we could go to all the races <laughs>
2: Yeah,
0: but yeah,
2: uh, so you guys in the same boat as we are. You pretty much, yeah,
0: yeah. You know, but it is. I mean, we had we had more views, page views this year than we did last year in Costa Rica, and it was huge last year. So, um, oh, that's good. Yeah, and I actually had people, uh, a couple of guys, come up to me at the award ceremony. In this, okay, you get handed a baby. They walk up to me and say, "Are you legendary, Randy?" And I'm like, uh, "Yeah." yeah. We love your coverage and they said Breathe Magazine is where they went when they wanted to know anything. So Yeah. At least at least, at least we're getting it. So, Yeah. Maybe we'll make your mom a correspondent for us.
2: She'd love that. She we, subscribed to the magazine. She's so, like, "I get the magazine now." Cool. <laughs> they send it all the way to New Zealand. So
0: Well, perfect then. So, Yeah. All right. Well, thank you and uh you know, always end the podcast by telling people to go fast and take chances, and that that goes for you too. So, Thank
2: you, thanks yeah. for the interview.
0: Yeah. thanks for talking to me, and good luck. So,
2: cheers! We'll, we'll see you at the next one.
0: We will eventually down the road. We we all meet up again, right?
2: That's right. Yep.
0: So, yep. All right. Bye bye.
2: See ya. Bye.
0: bye.